Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. If you have your Bibles with you, would you open up to Hebrews chapter 12 with me today? Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to start in verse 4 this morning and get through uh, verse 11. And then at the very end, I'll possibly read verse 12 to kind of tell us where we're going. But let's start in verse 4 together. And this is what it says. It says, After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, do not make light of the, word, of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punish, punishes each one he accepts as his, children, as his child. And as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Let's pray quick. Uh, hey, God, this is your word. And uh, would we look at it with your eyes and uh, be able to leave a lot of our preconceptions at the door and... Uh, really dive into who you are and how you speak to our hearts. In your name we pray, amen. I think sometimes I just pray because it's like calms my nerves, I don't know. But uh, one of the things I, I think about today's sermon is this is not a very easy sermon for me to preach um, because I, I've been thinking about it for a really long time. In fact, I was just gonna put this on the end of last week's sermon really quick and just wrap it up in a nice little bow. And we decided that no, this needed to be explained a little bit more, which just made my job a little bit harder um, because... Um, Nobody wants to talk about how God disciplines people, right? And yet it's sitting here in the Bible saying that God disciplines people. And so um, I, I hope that this morning we can do a couple things. First of all is that we can uh, have a little bit of perspective change of, of what discipline is. Um, but also to be able to dive into who God is that much more. And I know that we all come with our... Man, our ideas about, man, this is who God is or ideas of who we are and we try to meld them together because we're trying to figure out God. But the very first thing that I want to start with this morning is in verse 4 right away. It says this, it says, After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. 
You see the church at this moment, the author is writing to them. They are discouraged. They've been persecuted. They've been beat down. They've come from a tradition of, uh, a tradition of Judaism. And so they've had all these preconceived ideas of what they were supposed to be doing, right? If we just sacrificed enough, if we just did all the laws enough, if we could make ourselves look good, we would be okay, and yet they're coming against all these things that they're going through persecution. They don't understand what's going on and the hard times and they're losing faith and they're starting to go, wait a second, what if we're just weak people? What if we don't understand this whole entire thing? And this part of scripture, after he's just worked his way through, this is who Jesus is. He is your king. He is your sacrifice that you've needed. He is the one that shows you how to live it's going to be hard. And so he talks about persecution, which we talked about a little bit last week, is no, run the race that God has called us to, no matter what really happens. And then he ties this all together in verse four that says, but hey, remember this, after all, you haven't given your lives in your struggle against sin. And so he's sitting there bringing us to the next point of going, well, wait a second, it's not about resisting temptation. It's not about resisting uh, persecution. It's not about, hey, falling away gracefully. No, it, it's about looking introspectively now. Where are we at with our lives? Where are we at in our sin? Are we letting it kind of dictate how we live our lives? Or are we just saying, no, I'm saved by grace. I'm good. Let's just keep going on. And then wondering what's going on when our lives are in shambles. Think of it this way. About a year and a half ago, um, I, well, actually it was longer than that. Uh, my wife would probably attest this three years because it's been sitting in my backyard. But um, I went over to Tyrama and I went there and I was like, I want one of your tractor tires, right? And I'm not talking about these little dinky tires. I mean, I'm talking about, I want a tractor tire, right? I can't tell you what numbers on the side of this thing is like 225. Two, two, I have no clue. Anyway, this tractor, this tire is huge. And so I get a couple guys, we load it in the back of my pickup and I'm like, I am going to use this for exercise, right? Like I'm going to flip it. I'm going to jump on it. I'm going to jump around it, on it, in it, whatever. I'm going to take a sledgehammer and I'm just going to go to town with this tire. In fact, actually, I just burnt out a drill, drilling a hole through it, but I've never really actually used it. But anyway, so I get this tire home and this tire is big, okay? Uh, to flip it, I, I don't know, I, I think it's probably about 125 pounds just to be able to flip it on one end. It's much probably heavier than that. And so I get it there and I get it in my backyard and I go to my wife and I say, look at what I brought home. I brought home a tire. I am going, this, I am going to work out with this. Two weeks go by and Virginia's like, so how's that tire doing? Like, still sitting there, babe. She's like, well, it's killing the grass. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'll put it beside the shed. And so I tucked it in beside the shed. And it's been sitting there a long time. The other day, I get it out. And I'm doing work with this tire, right? And so I'm jumping on it, and I'm jumping in it, and I get done with it. And I'm like, that's really difficult. I don't know if I have the fortitude to keep working out with this tire, Right? It's just like that gym membership that all of us buy that we, so we spend the $100 on and we get in there and we're working out hard and then all of a sudden we realize 
do we have the fortitude to keep going? Because it's not easy. It's not easy losing 100 pounds. Well, it's not even easy losing 20 pounds sometimes. It's hard work. It means that we have to sacrifice something. It means that we have to actually get self-control when the ho-hos and the Twinkies come through. Man, I love Twinkies. <laughs> Haven't had one in years, but I love Twinkies. And I think about this. I think about this passage of Scripture and I wonder if it would actually change perspective a little bit when we realize discipline because it takes a little bit of discipline to continue to go through the pain to get to where we want to be. It takes a little discipline to keep working out with the tire over and over again to get the results that we need. And yet we live in a microwave society that just says, I want it right now. And in reality, God's kingdom is more like a crock pot. Takes a little bit of time. But it's worth the wait. And so when we look at this piece of scripture, I think and it would be great if we we're able to go, okay, what is discipline? This week was a really hard week for me. Um, I had one of those weeks where about every day I wake up, I'm thinking, all right, now is my time to write a resignation letter. And it's not because I actually want to resign at all. That's not the case. Um, the case is because I, I am so thinking that I actually am above my head. I'm not good enough for this. I don't know how to do this. I'm, I'm struggling to keep all the plates going between family life and work life and fun life and, and all of these different things. And so then what happens is, is I just keep getting worked up. And I was looking at this piece of scripture and I was thinking, well, how in the heck does discipline match up with what I'm feeling right now? Because sometimes I feel like I'm not the best friend and I'm not the best husband and I'm not the best leader and not the best football coach, right? And, and all of these different things. And, I, and God was just like, what if you actually looked at this instead of going, I'm going through, the hard, uh, going through hard times and just struggle, but go, wait a second. How can I maybe change a little bit about who God is and how I relate to him? And moving forward. Because remember, a couple weeks ago, we talked about what if, what if it was is that we knew who and whose we were. Because if we knew that and if we understood whose we are, we're God's. God created us. God created each and every one of us different and special and unique to have a relationship with him. What if we pressed into that relationship a little bit more? Instead of thinking, oh, woe is me and I'm not good enough, what if it was, hey, God, I already know that I'm not good enough and that's okay because you are working towards bringing me through something. Because if I believe that the vision of this church that God has given us is to equip us to live the gospel joyously, then that means that we are 
every day looking to do that. Not to get away from the gospel and feel better about ourselves for the moment. But in God's crockpot society, (laughs) at the very end, I don't think that we would feel that great. And so looking into this scripture, once again, I I hope that we can get a little bit of perspective change on who God is. And I want to start out with a couple things. First is this, is please don't confuse punishment with discipline. Because here's the deal that we've already looked at in all the chapters before this is our punishment was already placed on Christ. In, in chapter 10, verses 14, it was once for all believers. Our punishment was placed on Christ already. And, and the second is this, is that no sacrifice is ever needed again. In ver, chapter 10, verse 18, it's, there's no more need for a sacrifice. And we'll get into the difference between what I think punishment and discipline is here in a little bit. But I hope that in these verses that I want to see that God absolutely loves us. That he absolutely loves you. And so I want to look at what discipline is and what our reaction should be. And so we're going to go verse by verse today. And so we're going to look at verses 5 and 6 together. And this is what it says. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as children? These these are supposed to be encouraging. So here we go. He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord's disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. So if you're taking notes, that very first empty space is this, is discipline is a sign of God's sonship. If you're a daughter, you could put daughtership if you want. That just didn't make sense to me in my mind. Like, daughtership isn't a word, but... Discipline is a sign of God's sonship. It means that when you take the step to turn and to trust God, you are putting yourself under his authority. And when you do that, you are looking at his way of life now, and his way of life draws us into a much deeper way of living than the rest of the world lives. And so, discipline is a sign of his sonship, saying, I, you have put yourself to trust me. Now will you trust me in these areas? Instead of me saying, God, I'm not equipped to do these things, it is now going, God, I trust that you have put me in the right spot, that you're going to lead me through these things, and so I'm going to be under you. And would you teach me and would you guide me and direct me? When I'm trusting and turning God, when I'm married, I then put myself under the leadership of God and his authority. And I say, God, what am I supposed to be doing in marriage? 
What does the Bible say about these things? Because there are times when it's incredibly difficult to love our spouses. We are incredibly selfish human beings. But it's us putting ourselves under God. And so we should expect discipline. We should expect God to sit there and say, I am absolutely the creator and sustainer of all things, and this is the way that I've created them. Are you willing to follow in them? And it goes against everything we want. But it's worth it. Last week I told you about a, a movie that I really enjoyed growing up, and I don't know why I'm on a kick of thinking about all the movies that my mom and dad made me watch when I was little. Uh, but one movie that I still keep remembering um, this week for some reason is Oliver Twist. It was a two VHS set, right? They couldn't get it on one VHS. And so Oliver Twist in there um, runs away from his orphanage. And so when he runs away from his orphanage, uh, he comes across these little street gang, right? And so there's this song in there that um, I just remember. It's, you've got to pick a pocket or two, right? And so they teach him how to pick pockets so that he can live in Fagin's house, right? Which is just a horrible rundown house. And so uh, for you to be able to get entry into this, you've got to pick a pocket or two. And so now he do Oliver decides to do this. And the only way that he gets acceptance from Fagin's group is that if he does what he's supposed to be doing. I started thinking about that in terms of God and how he directs and guides us. God does not work like Fagin's house works. God doesn't need us to pick a pocket or two. He doesn't need us to do everything by the T. But he does ask that we would put ourselves under the authority of him. Because when we do that, we move into the very next verse, which is verse 7. It says, as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? As we put ourselves under God... We desire that discipline. Whereas Fagin disciplined because they weren't doing something that he wanted, God disciplines us because he absolutely knows what we need. And so that little line under verse 7 is, discipline is an act of love from a righteous parent who understands their children's needs. You see, God wants something for his children, not something from his children. Once we have come to the place of going, God, I am trusting and I am turning towards you. Man, his discipline isn't about getting, isn't about pain for our sins, isn't about his anger giving us punishment. It's about us becoming more like Christ. 
But we need to understand something before that. And in verse 8 and 9, it says this. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate children and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit? Here's the word. I love this. Shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? So as we understand that his discipline is an act of love from a righteous parent, we need to understand something about ourselves. And it is this. If you can fill in the line here, nothing you do, good or bad, makes God love you any more or any less. He is unconditional love. He is unconditional love. I want to read 1 John 4, 7 through 21 with you. Because I think that as we understand who Jesus is and we understand that we want to be disciplined by him and that the way that we're going through life is an act of love from him bringing us to a point, I think we, under, we need to change who we are to understand who God's, a character of God. And so let's read this together. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, can you see this picture? Not that he wants something from us, but that he wants something for us. So, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. All who declares that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. Go back to that very same verse. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and you are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? You see, this is a little bit crazy because for the people outside of Christianity, they see God as punishing, not loving. 
They seem to think that, well, God is punishing us for whatever sin that we might be having. They don't get that God has unconditional love for us. They don't get that consequences of sin exist. But we do understand that, that there are consequences of sin. That's not punishment. That's not the way, that's not God going, well, you did this sin, so now I'm going to punish you. It is the whole idea of you reap what you sow. It's not even karma. It's not, oh, well, you did something bad, and so it has to come back to you. Because if we were to look at that God's would, if we were to look at these things as God is punishing, that would be abuse. And there are some of you that have had very horrible examples of that in your life. And I don't want you to confuse discipline with abuse. Or even discipline with punishment. Because there is a punishment for our sins. There is. We already know that. But Christ has taken that punishment on us. For, he's taken it on himself for us. God is not an abusing God. God is not a person who sits up and just waiting for us to make mistakes. No, he absolutely has unconditional love. Nothing you can do better or worse can make God love you any less. He is just unconditional love. And so if that's the case, if we're putting ourselves under his discipline by becoming sons and daughters, and that we understand that discipline is an act of love from a righteous parent, and that he has unconditional love, that means that he is training us in righteousness. That everything that's going on in our lives is to move us closer to becoming righteous people. We see that over and over again in Hebrews chapter 11 with all these heroes, right? Everything that these people did, we looked at the bad things that they did and we looked at the good things about at what they did. And at the very end it was, and they were counted as righteous. And so no matter what current situation we're in, I wonder if we could ask that question. Not, hey God, what are you doing in this moment? Or, hey God, what are you trying to teach me? But God, how do I in this moment... Act more rightly than I was 10 minutes ago. What are you teaching me? And I know that I just said that about, it's not about asking God, but what if, what if we started to look at, hey God, how are you teaching me in righteousness? He goes on in verse 10 and 11 and says this. It says, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they know how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's not fun to jump in and out of a tire for 20 minutes straight. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So what does that mean? It means that holiness is our aim. If you're filling in that line, holiness is our aim. It is a life for, about, and in God 
that we are trying to accomplish. And so every moment that we go through, we want to be more like Christ. God, I'm, I'm on the mountaintop right now. How can I be more like you than I already am? God, I am in the dip, the depths of the valley. How can I be more like you? Discipline me. Open my heart up. See what's going on. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17 says this. It says, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know that they are true, for you know that you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. In every moment of our lives, when we feel like we are under a weight, whether we, we may feel like we are being punished, we may feel like we are being disciplined, but do we go back to scripture and do we say, hey God, I, I want it to teach me. I want it to change what's going on in my heart. I want it to correct me. Or do we simply say, God, I want out of this mess right now. Throw me in the microwave, burn me up a little bit and get me out. But if holiness is our aim, I wonder if we can be like David in Psalms 139, verses 23 through 24, when he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Put out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life? That is a really hard question to ask. Because it means that when we trust and turn towards God and we understand that discipline is a sign of us having him as our authority figure and that we know that, man, discipline is an act of love to tell us what we need. And when we realize that it's unconditional love that he gives and we want to walk into holiness, it means that we have to be laid bare in front of him. And we have to ask him to come in and change our hearts. So I want to leave you with this thought. I'm going to ask the usher, or not the ushers, the worship team to come forward. But I want to leave you with this thought this week. I wonder if you would open yourself up to discipline from God this week. That you would realize that it's changing you to be more like him. Not just to get what you want, but to be more like him. And so, I have a few questions to ask you. Would you be willing to open yourself up to Psalms 139? And open yourself up to his discipline and, and see a couple things in your life. Is there a character that needs to be added to you that you don't currently have that is more like God's character? Is there a behavior in your life that needs to be removed? 
that's keeping you from being more like God, more like Christ? And is there an attitude in your life that needs to be changed? And are you willing to be laid bare to be honest about those things? Because discipline is painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest. The whole point of us being disciplined and, and working towards holiness is that there's a harvest. Is that people around us will see the goodness of God and they will go, I want what that person has. It's not solely for us, it is for the kingdom of God. It is his kingdom and it is his authority. So as we sing this song, which is the Lord's Prayer, I wonder if you haven't put yourself under God's authority, would you be willing to turn and trust towards him? and desire his authority in your life because you know that as he works in your life and brings you towards righteousness, it's all about love. And it's not, <laughs> you're going to fail, you're going to mess up. And so you need to realize that nothing you do that's even better or worse than you're doing right now makes God love you any more or any less. Because our aim is holiness and we don't wanna stop until we get there. And I want to leave you with verse 12, which we'll get into next week. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. It's our whole point. Let's sing. You may be thinking, um, God, where do I start? Um, and God says, just talk to me and, um, and I'll lead you. Just seek me and I will do the rest. In Matthew, Jesus gave an example of how we can, we can pray. He says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. But don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Amen. I just uh, started a diet about 10 days ago. And I didn't want to get on a diet for years, actually. 
I kept waiting because we keep advancing as a society. And so I kept waiting for the pill, right? That I could like eat whatever. And then after the meal, you just take the pill and it, I don't know, I'm not a scientist, but I was hoping that there would be one that could develop that pill. Um, but as Seth's talking about working out, like I'm just like, ah, like just get like bicep injections, right? Um, draw a six pack in permanent marker. Like we don't have to do this work. And the, the relatability to that, to Christianity, especially American Christianity today, and how we just want that quick fix. Like, like big, huge, mega church leaders leading people to an altar and never explaining that God might make your life harder. It might be harder after you do this. This is an eternal decision, bigger than buying a house, bigger than getting married, bigger than dating, bigger than finances, bigger than retirement, bigger than vacation. Yes, just make that in one day, make that decision in one day. And I'm not saying it can't happen, it can't happen, amen? But like, this is a serious thing. Man, I just want a pill. I hope I'm not the only one that just wants a Christian pill that we can take and not have to do all of this. But what I, what I want to say, this is, this is it. I'm not going to, I'm long-winded. I'm not going to be long-winded. Is we have to break the cycle at some point. I had to start the diet. I wasn't, I wear a little bit bigger shirts so you can't tell, but I, I might have started to be getting taller laying down than I was standing up, right? Like I was, I was getting a little, I needed to answer that and something had to be done. And so if we're in a cycle, and I don't, I'm not speaking for you, but if we're in a cycle of living six days of a week and checking off a box on the seventh, when are we going to, to make that change? Are you going to read through these verses again on your own? Are you going to be able to take these verses, this lesson, and give it to somebody at school, to your aunt, to your uncle, to your cousin, to your brother, to your sister, to your mother, to your boss, to your coworkers, to your employees? Can you, can you honestly take your Christian attitude, your feelings about this and share it with someone that doesn't know God, this exact lesson? Or is this just a little too hard for them? We wanna, we wanna teach them something else, that there is a pill. Let's not, we've, let's break the cycle. This week, make the decision that this is the week. This is the week. Let's pray. Lord, I, I'm not expecting every single Sunday for every person in this room to be a life-changing Sunday. But Lord, I do know that every single Sunday we can learn, we can grow, we can be closer to you and closer to each other. I know that that is, that is absolutely pos possible. It's actually absolutely possible that it is life-changing every Sunday, but Lord, that's, a, that's between you and me. That's between you and each individual soul here. So Lord, I pray, I pray that we're able to take off all of our preconceived notions about who you are, what religion and church and Christianity and Jesus is, 
And Lord, we can seek you. And not only that, Lord, but that we in this building can then go and share you. Lord, we're not scared. This life is temporary. You're eternal, and we want to join you. We want as many to come with as possible. So, Lord, may we have the strength. May we have your courage. May we have your words. And may we leave this building stronger than when we got here. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. We humbly leave our request at the most level playing field there is the foot of the cross. And we ask all of these things in your name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.